This is a place for storytellers, a place where thoughts, dreams, and ideas come to life. Join me on my journey to unearth the real stories behind real people. No labels, they're just humans. Hello there, you wonderful humans. Thanks for coming back for another episode of They're Just Humans. Today is so exciting for me. Have you ever met someone in your life where you became fast friends and when looking back, you can really see that that friendship was a true definition of having a connection, a true connection with someone? Well, I had a true connection with this human in college. We spent a lot of time together on the basketball court, but we also spent a lot of time together off of the basketball court. I have not seen this human or spoken to this human other than through messages here and there for almost 20 years. No, it's been 20 years for sure, but Here we are, and it feels like we picked up right where we left off. Time and space are so bonkers. So who is Anna? Well, we're gonna find that out, of course, but Anna lives in Minnesota. Anna graduated with a degree that she fully intended on using for the rest of her life, which she still keeps in her back pocket. But in this instance in life, I do believe that her career chose her. And not only her, but her sister. And it was a complete happy accident. Or I like to say, happenstance. All right, enjoy the show, everyone. Hi. Hi. Oh, it's been way too long, and yet I feel like it was just yesterday. Totally. I could cry seeing you. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Yeah. It's been way too long. It's been like almost... 20 years <laughs> a little how old are we aren't we still like 19 20 years old like crazy yeah it is crazy yeah so Anna and I went to college together just for one or two years at Keene Keene State um we played basketball together on the basketball team and but I just don't associate you and I, like when I think about our times together, I just think about all the fun times we had outside of basketball. Yeah. Um, you were one of my good friends at Keene and I didn't have a ton of close people. So I really valued your friendship at that time. Yeah. I was actually telling Jeff, my husband, about the podcast. I was like, yeah, Liz was, I had a hard time making friends in college. It was not really like my time of girlfriend in like in high school I had a lot of girlfriends in college I had not very many girlfriends and then after so it was like a hard time and I was saying that you were one of the people that I just felt connected to so Hmm. fun reflecting on that yeah I mean so much dominoes cynistics and (laughs) my god my god oh my gosh yep though that was the best that was so good. So good. And we tried to hike Mount Monadnock. 
I think we only made it like. But we took a lot of great pictures. We like did. We did and just right. And we were both. I don't know if it, it was you or I. We were in photography class and you took the picture with an actual film camera and developed it in the darkroom at Keene. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember if it was you or I, but I remember that picture. We're sitting on a rock, and we did the self-timer. Yeah, yep. you got to find that. You do. Let's let's talk about how you got into what you're doing now, though, because that seems like an unexpected life path. Yeah. It was like um, a happy accident, right? Yes. We're jumping ahead yeah. here. So this is my guest, Anna. Hi. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have to guide me. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. This is just like conversation. But I have to remember I'm also talking to an audience. So I try to, yeah, input that there um, when needed. So my guest this week is Anna. We went to college together, like I said. And Anna's from Minnesota. And um, I actually don't know what your actual degree was from Keene, but it's not what you're doing now. So Basically, I'll let Anna tell her story, but um, her and her sister have a extremely successful career out of something that kind of just started as a home project for you, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll back it up. Yeah. Uh, at Keene, I went to school and I did clinical psychology um, and... I always knew that I loved knowing about people and like how people work and why they work. That still is true today. Um, and then I kind of realized that I couldn't do much with just an undergrad in psychology. Um, so then after Keene, I stayed out there for like a summer, I think after I graduated and then realized that I needed to do more schooling. So I ended up going um, and getting my master's here in Minnesota for marriage and family therapy. Um, and then after, after you graduate, you have to get licensure. So I worked for two years earning hours um, to be a marriage and family therapist. I did a lot of work in treatment centers as a trauma therapist and then started to do my own practice a couple days a week. God, I'm trying to think of the timeline here. And I think it was almost three winters. Okay, so then eight years ago, Nikki and I, I went to my um, husband's cabin and was playing with his like bandsaw because I've always just been like a creative person. I was like, this tool is really cool. So then I was like, can we bring this back to the house and just make things with it? So then we did that and brought it back. And my sister and I made like this deer piece to put on our mantle and put it on Facebook. And somebody was like, hey, could we could we buy one? Could we make one? And we're like, huh, sure. And then they posted it on their page. And then somebody else was like, hey, could we buy one of those? Um, and that kind of kept going. And then, so we're like, oh, this is kind of fun. We'll do this on the side while I was still doing therapy work. And then um, it kind of got to be more and more. So we found a place that we could do this woodworking in that was in the city, like half hour away from me, but it wasn't in our garages. So we were super pumped about it. 
Um, so then slowly as our business started to pick up, I started to like wean down on my therapy hours. And then I was just doing one day a week at a private practice, seeing clients like from sun up to sundown in one day. And then the rest of the days I was doing therapy. I mean, I was doing woodworking. And then it kind of got to the breaking point of like, either we do one full-time or the other one full-time. And so um, I stopped doing therapy and started doing woodworking full-time. And then how many years is it, has it been now? So we've been in business for eight years. I think eight, eight years ago was that like post. Okay. Um, but I still have like an active licensure. That's still like an important piece and a little bit of like, I keep thinking that like, there's no way I'll be able to do this forever. So I want to have like my backup of therapy if I need it. Why don't you think that you can do it forever? Um, to be honest, cause every day feels like it's not work. Isn't and that it's- what it's supposed to be? Like, right. Right. right? Yeah. You're not supposed to feel that way. Um, it just feels too good to be true. I think a lot of the time it's like, this is just too fun, too good. Uh, and I think another component, which probably is a bigger component is like, I, I do love therapy and people, um, and to be able to have your license around it just makes those doors so much easier to open. If I don't want to be like working with my hands in the future or whatever, it's just more of like, uh, um, keeping that keeping that available, I guess, if Mm. needed. How do you have to renew your license for that? How, how often is that? So you have to renew it every year. And then every two years you need 40 hours of training. So you have to keep all that kind of up to date, um, which is kind of a, a drag, but makes sense. Yeah, sure. Wow. Um, so your business is called Hagen and Oats. That's right. Yeah. Um, Tell me why, why, what's the story behind the name? So I used to be Hallrich. I got married to a Hagen. Right. Um, and so Hagen is my last name. And then Oates is actually my sister's now dead cat. Now dead cat? Oh, okay. When we started, we didn't actually like, think we'd be a business eight years later. So we're like, yeah, Hagen and Oates, LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had a ring to it. So we just kept it with Hagen and Oates. Which is awesome. I love the name. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's cute. Yeah, yeah. So you have a I just want to like put this into context of how successful you yeah. guys are. Like you have a store in the Mall of America. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so um that um so we have that one and it's we've done it for probably five years now, but we do it over the holiday season is when we're like the most successful there. So we're not currently there. Okay. Um, and we have another store called Six for Good at Rosedale and at two other locations in Minnesota. Yeah. Where's your like main shop? Our main shop's in Newport. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where that is, but awesome. Right. Yeah. How many employees do you have? Well, so we've ebbed and flowed throughout like the pandemic. Um, I think at the most we've had 16 like part-time employees and now we're down to maybe six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've kind of tr- changed a little bit of how we do our, like our processes and stuff since the pandemic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is how far your reach is. I mean, this can happen anywhere, anytime, because the world is so tiny. But this was, I don't know how many years ago. It was probably like six or six or seven years ago is when you first started and you were, you had started, you were established, but your pet portraits were first starting. And one of my friends on Instagram posted a pet portrait that you did. And I'm like, wait, these people aren't connected in my life. Why is this person posting about this? Yeah. You did a pet portrait for her, uh, for her brother, their dog. And and anyway, it was just this such an odd thing. And then I was in the (laughs) woods of Maine in northern Maine, and I walk into this person's cabin and there's the pet portrait. I'm like, there it is. (laughs) That's wild. Right? Yeah. I mean, it just it is. It is wild. I do think it's wild. So you're just with me wherever I go. Yeah, fine. So nice. all right so let's get into the juicy stuff okay um thanks for coming on here again i know this is yeah it's a little bit of a vulnerability of exercise but um just love hearing people's stories and just bits about their life that we can all relate to in some way or learn from and just think it's valuable. So have you ever had an experience in life when you had to be brave? Um, That is such a cool question. Um, Being a mental health therapist, I'm obsessed with Brene Brown and like have been forever. Um, And so I love kind of her language around just bravery and vulnerability and just it uh for me just like when I read the question I was like oh gosh um there are just so many moments and times and it I thought of like one big event but then I'm like oh it's like every day these tiny little moments of like um bravery I feel like need to show up Charlie has a book called Charlie my nine-year-old has a book that's called um, a boy like you, and it ta- it's like a beautiful book, and we know the gal who illustrated it, but it talks about like the world needs a boy like you who is um, scared and can cry and can cook and can play basketball and can play in the dirt and can cook things, you know, like all the things. But one of the things that I really love is it talks about being scared and being brave go hand in hand. And that basically, like, you can't be brave without, or you can't be scared without being brave. And it's like this picture of, like, them holding hands, almost like bravery and being scared jumping together. Mm -hmm. So then I started thinking about the amount of times that I've been scared to do something or scared about something, but did it anyways. And then I just had, like, rapid fire in my brain of all these different things. Um, and kind of like smaller ones came to my mind. Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter and she's been wanting to like shave side of her, the side of her hair since she was maybe five. And I 
like the feminist in me is like, absolutely. Why not? No big deal. But like the mama bear of like, I don't want you, you know, like there are concepts that you don't understand in your undeveloped brain that like hair takes a while to grow back and you can't change it. And other people are mean and can be, you know, bullies. So like I had both of these kind of voices in my brain playing but I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, we can face these challenges together. You know, not that it's even like a challenge. Like, a haircut's not a challenge. But just it kicked up a lot of stuff of, like, mm-hmm. people are judgmental and mean. And, and, I mean, and I love humans, but, like, they can be judgmental and mean. So, yep. anyways, we were, I was both scared and brave and she got the side of her hair shaved and she like loves it. Thinks it's the best thing ever. Um, talks about the kids on the bus who like make fun of her, but she, you know, she knew that that might be a possibility and she's fine with that. She still loves her haircut. So, Aww. yeah, so sweet. But I uh, totally get like we, it, as moms, like my kids aren't, my son's almost nine. My daughter it will be five in July. But we're viewing things for so long and being like, and not, and not actually having them happen to us until it happens. And it's like, oh, okay. We actually have to like think this through because when we're observing from an outside view, it seems very simple. Like, just let the kid be her. But there is a lot that comes along with it. And it we live in a scary world where people aren't kind. And it's hard to navigate. And we have to we have to have those honest conversations with our kids too. I know with the undeveloped brain, but it's just like some people aren't nice and I don't want that to hurt your feelings. But it might. And it's okay if it does, but it sucks. And we still just have to go on and do what makes us happy, which seems as though that's exactly what your daughter did. Yes. Which yes. is awesome because then hopefully she's just spreading that joy, spreading that permission to other children, right? It's okay to be yourself, whatever that means. Yes. She is fierce. I love that. And then yeah. did you feel, I'm guessing you had a sense of relief after now that you can look back on the situation and be like, okay, okay, like, we can do this. Yeah. We can do hard we made, things. We made it through this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's also funny how many times I check in of like, so haircut's still working for you? I'm like, oh my God, and I cut the shit. She's fine with it. Ask yourself, you know, like, uh, it's just parenting is a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. What did, um, I'm just curious what your husband's view was on it. Yeah. Um, he, so Jeff, my husband, he's a seven footer. So he's like a unique breed. Yeah. And I say that because I think it, his height, um, I think because he's so big, he doesn't have to be as masculine as other people. If that makes any sense. It does. And it also doesn't because it's like. Why are we labeling people based on how big yeah. they are? Yeah. Yes. So he's um he's kind of like a super sensey. He's super kind and sweet and um 
And so he like kind of said it perfectly of like, it's just adjust. Like we just have to adjust, you know, he was like, I was like panicky, like, shit, is this okay? And he's like, it's just going to take some adjusting, but you know, it's fine. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And then, um, he also commented like, as soon as the like first strand hit the floor, like the sass just got turned up. You could just tell she kind of found her little sassafras, which is totally, I mean, it was her. And then this haircut kind of It's almost like she could feel even more like herself. Like she doubled down in this confident, sassy kid, which was kind of cool. All right. What about some other things with Brave? Yep. Um, So a a girlfriend also asked me to hike across the Grand Canyon two, two falls ago. And that was another time when you were asking about um, bravery that came to my mind. Um, so she asked in April and then we hiked across the Canyon in October. So the months between April to October were like just those constant moments of feeling scared, but doing it anyways, feeling scared, but doing it anyways. Um, and then I think when we actually did the hike on October 11th, it was like, Um, I think once you have a family too, that's just another level of like, I can be a lot more callous with my life when it's just me, but you know, I'm providing, I have value in my kids and husband's life. So then you're like, should I have to make decisions that aren't quite as callous? Mm. Um, so another moment of like, I'm scared and I'm going to do it anyways, um, was, was for the hike. What was the hardest part? I'm Sorry to interrupt you. I'm sure you're going to go into that. (laughs) Why was it so hard? I'm saying that nicely. What was so hard for you about going on that hike? Uh, I think the mental game was the hardest part. Um, So kind of. uh, So my friend Anne Strong Strong asked me to go on this hike. And from that moment. Uh, into the months leading up it was the mental game of am I prepared enough when these other random people are talking about their fitness level or their capability how do I measure that to my capability because people would say like I'm really fit x y or z but there wasn't like a concrete if you can do this then the hike will be fine um so it was kind of the mental game of Um, there are heat components, food components, elevation components, distance components, fitness components, and all of those components coming together. Um, and so like mentally preparing for all of those things, I think were, was the biggest feat, I would say. Um, can you just set the stage? You kind of just did a little, but how long was this hike? Uh, how intense was it? You know, when you say hike, you're not just hiking for a day and whatever, like it, this sounded pretty extreme. So I'm, I'm understanding where your fears are coming from. Um, you just, I just want you to set the scene of what this was, what this entailed. Yep. Yep. So we hiked, um, the Grand Canyon from the North side through the Canyon across the Colorado river up to the south side so I think it was like 25 
it's like a 25 mile hike. Um, but then they have what they call the box, which can be like 20 degrees hotter than it is. So, you know, it can get to 120 degrees depending on when you go. Um, and there's an elevation change. I don't remember the statistics off the top of my head, but the elevation is is profound. So if you get elevation sickness, you can it can put you in the point of like you're in the canyon and sick and unable to get out. And then they've got like heli medcopter points, two different points that if like you get stuck or injured that like you would fly out from there. Um, and then kind of along the trail, there's a two mile off shoot to get to what they call ribbon falls, which is this waterfall that of course, when you're down there, you have to do. So I think it ended up being about 27 or 28 miles start to finish. Um, and you can do it in several days if you camp in the campsite at the bottom of the canyon. Um, but there were a few things that that didn't sound appealing to us. One, you needed to get a permit and we didn't want that variable of not being able to do it or go if the permit didn't, if we couldn't get a permit. And then two, you have to like carry down all your camping stuff, carry two or three days of food versus if we could just shoot straight across, get it done in one day, then we didn't need to worry about all those other things. Um, so we decided that we were going to do it in a day. So we started at like five in the morning. I think we finished and it was like sleet snowy Ooh. at seven at night. Yuck. But it was like 70 in the box. Right. So like the temperatures were wild. That's nuts. Yeah. Okay. It was really cool. Yeah. But scary. That's a big, yeah, it's a big preparation. Yeah. And you're and all the things that can go wrong. And again, yeah, being a mom is a big, a big part of it because you have a lot to lose. Right. Yeah. And I think there also was this thing of like, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but kind of once I became a mom, you like, I felt not, I felt a little pigeonholed of like mom life a little bit and this was a super helpful activity I guess to like shed that of like you can still be an individual you can still be fierce you can still be brave you can still be like all of this stuff you know like independent sense yes and an independent woman and just a human um yes I completely understand yeah, pigeonhole is a good term. I always uh, trapped is a really bad term, but sometimes I feel like that because I have a lot of responsibilities and I come last when we do need to remind ourselves to put ourselves first, even if it's just a little bit each and every day, but we can't forget ourselves. So that is awesome that you did that trip. Um, and now that you're back safely from that, you can reflect on it. Did you have healing moments during the trip that you can think of that you like had a release or had just like a moment of clarity or something? Um, I, when I look back on it, I, I think my healing and like 
most mental like change happened in the months leading up to the hike. Um, just, it put my whole brain in a different mindset. So this idea of like, I'm training for this thing that it was, it just felt pretty like vague. Like I didn't really know. I was just like really putting forward all my effort in both physical, mental, emotional training. Um, and so it made the months leading up to it really cool because I saw challenges in such a different way. I saw them as like times and places that I could grow and like they were training me to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And even if it was like the wood shop was really hot, I'm like, oh yeah, this is maybe what the box is going to be. Or like if my driveway was like, I have a steep drive. And so walking at my driveway was like kind of a bear, but then I'd be like, Abby, hop on my back. You're my water pack. You know? So things that I once was like dreading, I was now like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I think those are places that I had like the best, like emotional and mental change. Mm, well, you're an athlete. That doesn't go away. Like yeah. that, that started popping its head out and be like, look, I'm here. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's but where I, you're competitive. Like, I got this. You know, like, I felt like it kind of disappeared for a little bit. Yeah, but it doesn't, but the, it doesn't leave you. It yes, just like, yes. it just gets buried underneath all yeah. the other things. Yes. Yeah. Like mm. under burp rags. I'm like, oh yeah, there you are. <laughs> burp rags. Covered in puke. You, right? <gasps> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, one last question before I get on to other questions. Um, how do you balance your mom work life, being a business owner and having mom guilt or feel, feeling pigeonholed? Like, yeah, you have a lot on your plate. Is there something that you do or? Um, yes. Um, I think I'm constantly trying to balance. Like, that's constantly a thing. That, like, I have to be aware of. Um, if I'm not working out, I am, like, really unwell in a variety of ways. So that's, like, number one. Um, I So I do. I work out. And, you know, it has to be at. Uh, I choose to have it at five in the morning because, you know, the kids are asleep and I, it doesn't cut in anything else. But like, of course, isn't that how things have changed? So I do my 5 a.m. Orange Theory workout and I love it. Um, and then balancing, I you know, it's also hard. Jeff is in sales, so he works from home-ish. Mm -hmm. So he'll be the guy who can get the kids on the bus and then he gets them off the bus and then he also cooks dinner. And as of late, he's our primary breadwinner. So, like, there is, like, a lot of, like, oh, God, like, um, feeling like this thing of, like, how am I, how am I providing there, you know, and providing for the kids. And then being a business owner providing there, like, there's always kind of a thread of, like, I feel like I'm treading water. Um. And there are times that I feel like I'm really hitting it out of the park. And there are times that I'm like, oh, I'm a, like a complete failure in all the avenues of my life. <laughs> That's just riding the wave. Sometimes it's really rocky and it sucks. And then other times it's calm and relaxing. But it's, yeah. Oh, I'm glad you touched upon that of the where 
you didn't say it this way, but kind of where is my place amongst the um, the roles that we take on as parents and where we fit in or where we're even putting ourselves in these boxes that our spouse might not even have boxes for us, right? Like there's that type of thing. I have a lot of guilt over the fact that my husband's a breadwinner and I don't bring in actual money, but yet I feel as though everything else is on me. Like that's yeah. in my brain. I'm like, well, if he's making money, everything else I should be taking care of, which yeah. that's not balanced either. Right. And and I have my, I have a wonderful, very involved husband as all parents should be. If they have children, you should just be involved. But you know, he makes the lunches. He puts the kids on the bus. He, you know, he's, he's very involved, like I said, but still there's just this weird guilt of, am I doing enough? Am I being present enough for everyone? Yeah. Including myself. And I don't know. It's just a super weird balancing act. Any tips I can take from you? Anything that works well for you? I just try to do more of what brings me joy, like just little blips of things and not feeling guilty about it. Um, I don't know. Just trying to listen to my gut, I guess. Because we can get wrapped up in so much as moms and are we doing enough? All the stuff. And it's sometimes we just have to be like, whoa. Let's take a breath and just what works for me? What's what works for us? What I don't know, right? We can't like compare ourselves constantly, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah, favorite quotes is comparison is a thief of joy. Mm-hmm. We get re- that a lot around this house it's a good one that is a good one i've actually never heard that oh yeah i've never one. heard that wow that's a good one let's go on to what it is that makes you feel free hmm um for me it's a really simple one and it's being outdoors and um, reading your question. And then I was reflecting on that picture of us on Mount Monadnock and reflecting on my hike and just like, just all of these moments in my life. Um, just when I'm outdoors in nature is when I, um, I am the most present. I can let go of kind of all the lists, all the to do's. Um, I feel like my kids can be with me and if they're in nature, like I'm killing it as a mom, you know, so like, it just is like, I, um, nature's where it's at for me. Mm, Yep. What is it? Is it just, I mean, I'm saying this and I feel that too. Um, it's just like a natural medicine, just a natural grounder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where's your favorite place to be outdoors? Are you more of, I like to be in the woods. I like to be on a mountain. I like to be near the ocean. Yep. I would take any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, during the pandemic, we lived in like a, um, in like a neighborhood that had really, that it was lovely and like a ton of great neighbors, but we're really close to each other. Like we would watch the kids jumping in their pool during dinner. <laughs> over the fence like everyone is just really close 
And during the pandemic, we spent a lot of time up at Jeff's parents' cabin up north. Um, and it's like just, it was that phase of the pandemic when everyone was afraid of killing their grandparents and in-laws. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, yes, of no. course. Yes. Yeah. They like talk to each other through the window or like. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, um, we went up there for seven days and I slept outside and camped with the kids for all seven days. We like bathed in the lake, but literally we were outside the whole time. Wow. And I loved it. I like loved it. Um, and on the ride home, Jeff was like, I think we need a house that has land. Like, I think we need land. We're just an outdoor family. He's like, you spent maybe three hours tops in the last seven days indoors we just should be outdoors. And so we started to look for houses with like land. And so we have now a little bit of land, but we have like big, huge trees and like little trails that we can walk and a garden. Um, And so, I mean, I would take a mountain any day of the week. I would take a beach any day of the week, but what is really accessible is just our forest in the back of our house and that we can just kind of walk walk around and be with the trees and with the breeze. So that's, that's my choice. Yes. Oh, I love being in the woods. I love all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll find myself, I'll just be driving down the road. I don't have to be outdoors. I'll see a tree or something that is just huge or gnarly. And I'm just like, what was here a hundred years ago? And that thing you know, I think about stuff like that, or I think about it like a rock, and I'm like, why is that rock there? That's huge. How did it get here? Huh? <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. I mean, I love that, but I just, this is our mother earth. Like, this is what we've got. We've got yeah. to take care of it, and it's here for us, but we have to take care of it. And um, yeah. What do you grow in your garden? Oh, what don't we grow in our garden? Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, we grow tomatoes. We've got a lot of raspberries from the family who was here before, so tons of raspberry bushes. We just got two new blueberry bushes coming this season. Nice. And then all the veg, um, tomatoes, carrots, celery, Brussels sprouts, which have never turned out really great, I'll be honest. Mm. Sweet potatoes, regular potatoes. Wow. Yeah, it's so fun. That is, yeah. No, I don't have, I don't grow that much stuff. I'm pretty simple, like tomatoes and peppers and peas yes. and mm. lettuce. Yeah. Uh, and herbs. But, um, those are great. Yeah. Um, but I really would love to have, you know what I really want? I want like a hydroponic system with like piping in my house that I can like grow all the plants out of. Have you ever seen, have you ever been to Disney? Yes. Disney World, they have in the, in Epcot. That's the only one I've been to. Epcot? So there's this ride called Soarin', and it's in that building. It's the Land of the Living, I think. It's the building. Anyway, they have this whole tour you go on by, like, this little boat, but it's inside. And they grow everything just through hydroponics. They have these giant tanks of fish that like help the vegetation. It's, uh, it's this whole thing. It's amazing. 
I think you need that. Look it up. I will. Yeah. And at some point, you and your family need to come to Maine because we just bought like our dream place that we're never getting rid of that we've been looking for forever. It's in the mountains. We have 55 acres in the woods with the river frontage and trails and fruit trees and all the things. So come play. Where? What? Yes, please. Yeah. Um, it's the mountain we ski at. It's Sugarloaf. We're not on mountain, but our camp is, or our house is in Kingfield, Maine. Yes, please. Yeah. I know you're, I know you're in Minnesota, but open invitation anytime. Hey, great. (laughs) Yes. Right. Okay. What do you know to be true? Yeah, this is a hard one too. Um, I innately believe that people are doing their best. And I understand, as we've already touched on, that like there are definitely people who are mean and are bullies and are coming from like a mean-hearted place. But also being a trauma therapist, I understand how people got there. Um, and so I just... I just really believe that people are doing their best. How can we, we, um, those of us that might not think that people are doing their best, what kind of, what kind of advice can we give to ourselves to remind ourselves like, like everyone's fighting their own battle. So be kind, that type of thing. Cause some people are just like really mean and it's like, you're not doing your best. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think like that. I, I know what you're saying, but there's times yeah. I'm like, no, they're not. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, for me in those moments when I find people are harsh or short or unkind, um, I, I, for me, I get grounded in the, in the place of gratitude that I have the resources. I have the bandwidth. I have the community that has allowed me to be in a much safer, kinder place. Um, And I understand a lot of people haven't had the privilege or the training or the knowledge that I've been given. Um, And just really kind of coming from that place of like, I, you know, I get it. There's, I feel thankful that someone was able to teach me a better way. Mm from good parents that comes from good mentors that comes from good teachers that not everyone has access to and so just like really getting grounded in this place of like um if they knew a better way that they probably would be be using it or doing it Mm. and it's still a constant battle believe me I get mad at people and I you know like I'm not saying I'm in this like high horse place um, but just really coming from this place of like, usually when people drive me nuts, I can get grounded in the place that like I've had the resources to come up with a different solution. Mm. Yeah. Or it's like, uh, this is a you problem, not a me problem. Yeah. Sometimes some, I have to say that to myself. Like this doesn't, this is not my problem. Yes. Like yeah. how you feel about me is none of my business. Right. Type of thing. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I just like when people are mad or angry and like lashing out, 
also understanding like they have to go home and like live with that and look at themselves in the mirror and like if that's not a consequence I don't know what is you know that is their existence of and so just like yeah not as you mentioned not taking it personally it's not about me I want to be a I want to contribute to a solution for people that are feeling this way and having a hard battling it out, not having these resource resources. I don't just want to be like, well, that's what they're like. And that's their life. It's like, where's the help here? Where's the gap, the bridge for the gap of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. We were just talking about this. Um, One of our employees was just really having a hard time with everything that's going on politically and not, and not feeling and feeling really helpless, kind of this idea of like, I want to do something, but I can't. Um, and also this idea of like, it's not a black or white answer. There's like a ton of gray and being in a place where like, they have their life mask, but then they can also contribute to the greater cause. Because um, I think what happens is we get so like into creating the other cause that we are losing our footing. And then it just like, we spin down. Um, but like, I also know from years of living, 40 years of living, that like, I can attempt to help people as much as I want. But until someone else is looking to help themselves or like to be led in the way, it's like, I, there's no point. You know, it's like, and I, of course, can suggest and show up and like, lead by example and all of those things and until someone else wants to make the change to like fill that gap I you gotta have someone meet you halfway so how do um how do we get our footing back um because mm-hmm. I'm having that issue with not knowing what to do feeling helpless I want to make change like if people can make a change overnight about taking away women's rights to have a child like how is it that we aren't changing things overnight when it comes to gun control and like saving our kids but I don't know what uh, it just seems like this great divide between us common humans and the people that run the show it's like how do we work together to make this work for everyone I don't and yeah, yeah, I feel helpless and I just I don't I don't know if that just means I need to go stand in front of a a capital building with a sign. Like I I don't I don't know. I just I want things to, I, I want things to change. And yeah. I and I believe they can. It's just I yeah, how we need our footing. Yeah. What do you feel about that? Uh yeah, I um I'm I'm silent just because I'm taking it all in and really um feeling just like the weight of this topic on as we've talked about as moms as people in our community and I I cannot wrap my head around you know this idea of like we can't how how can we not make a little change in a direction you know like Pandemic happened and we literally stopped working for two weeks straight and stayed in our homes and didn't go to our jobs. Like, 
we have the capacity to make some major moves in a short amount of time. Like the guy brought a bomb on an airplane and now we literally everyone since then takes off their shoes to get them scanned. Like there are things that we can do. I am like baffled that there's not a middle ground between what is happening and where we are. I like, I feel powerless and like just dumbfounded. Like, how are we here? I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's insanity because it keeps happening. Right. There's no different result, but I was chatting with a woman from Australia and we were just she sent me a message on Instagram and after the tragic shooting that happened she was just like she's like I don't know how you send your kids to school and I was like well therapy and being medicated has helped and that's a really poor answer but I don't have any other choice because either I live in fear and then my kids are scared or I what else am I supposed to do and therefore that's why I'm like we we can make a change we have to make a change because that's the there's no other option so we were talking about Australia and I said what are the gun laws in Australia and she said that they regulated uh, gun usage in, like in the 80s or something. Maybe it was earlier. But it was just for people that basically were like farmers or vermin control. They needed it for their well-being and their welfare and their livestock, whatever. And there were permits that you had to obtain in order to use that firearm. Well, in 96... Australia had their first mass shooting. And after that, bipartisan support passed, like, they they passed gun control to a point where they had a whole buyback system. With wow. Their, yeah. So it's like, why can't we take those steps? It doesn't have to be we're taking your guns away. By the way, Australia's never had an issue since, I don't believe. Um and um yeah they had a whole buyback program and um now you can still own a gun there but there are just so many steps you have to go through in order to have a gun which people should have to do you can't just go drive a car you have to go through steps and i don't understand why it shouldn't be any different if people are going to make such a big deal out of their guns then then just go through the steps. If you're if you're not mentally together and you and that needs to be checked out, then you shouldn't have a gun. So let's help you with your mental health. Like there's just so much that we can do. Yeah. But I do fear that it's like, well, we can't outlaw guns because then people are gonna be that will just cause a shit show. Yeah. But if we can make sense of it for other people and be like, these are the steps we're taking. And you have this much time or right. Like this is the process. This is the buyback program. This is when we're going to start implementing these types of laws so that you have to get a background check. You have to whatever. Why? Like we can do that slowly over time. People have time. I mean, yeah, let's I, move in. A t- 
But here I am saying, oh, we have time. But it's like, well, do we? Because this is happening every fucking day. But I think what you're saying is like, it doesn't need to be black or white. Like, let's just start moving. It doesn't need to be done immediately overnight. Like, I'm willing to meet in the middle so we can get moving in a direction where we want to go. Where I think majority of the U.S. wants to go, like majority of the U.S. would say, we don't need rifles. Like, we can move in the direction of that. Um, Because there are a lot of really, a lot of people who are on our page. Yeah, and I don't think, and again, there doesn't, it doesn't have to be black or white. I mean, people can still have what they want in life and use it for, in, in safe ways. And there's, I think there, I know there are ways of doing that. Like, if you want to go shoot a rifle and hit targets, then maybe we have facilities where people can go do that safely. Like, you know what I mean? So they're not owning that actual gun, but like, okay, you want to do this. This is a recreational activity for you where you like to target shoot, whatever. Like, okay, but you're not going to own that high rifle, whatever. Like, you can go yeah. go somewhere where it's safely supervised. Otherwise, if you need a gun for protection, it doesn't need to be an assault rifle and prove to us that you are sane enough and responsible enough to own this thing that can kill people. Yeah. yeah. Why is it so hard? Sorry, I just like went off there. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm. Ugh. Okay. Busa. All right, let's get into like some layups here. Ease the energy. <laughs> Have you ever had a paranormal experience? Will you tell me what your definition of paranormal is? Yes. Um, you could see a ghost, um, feel something, dream something, see something in the woods, like Bigfoot. Um, anything that's just out of maybe something that you've questioned that was like, mm. huh, seen anything in the sky? Um, okay, so I have never, like, classified a paranormal experience. However, I do feel like I, like, consistently have had experiences of the universe, like, like, non, non-verbally winking at me. <laughs> I think Kathy Lee Gifford calls that a God wink. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. God isn't my personal thing. But no, 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 that's fine. That's just, I'm just saying to put that I in. That. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. First so wink. A universal like, wink. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does she say about her God winks? Like, it's just. Little things that happen where you're just like, that was, that was God. Yeah. Making that happen because there's no other explanation and it's just too miraculous type of synchronicity, I guess. I love it. Right place, right time. I mean, I totally believe if you put something in the universe, it will answer you. Same. Yeah. So I would say I um, sit more along those lines than the paranormal. But that's still, I still put that in the bubble of. Okay. Ish, because it's something outside of what we can see but we still know it yes to be true um do you mind or do you know um can you elaborate on those times just trying to 
a specific example. Um, so when we bought this house, um, it was during the pandemic. It was maybe like almost a year into the pandemic. Um, but we sold our house and then we're moving to this place that we're in. And Jeff, my husband was really, he was like, not in a good way, like at all. He was so nervous and like, couldn't get a hold of his like worry. He was just like, so then he wasn't sleeping. He like, I mean, I, I don't know if there's been a time when I'd been more worried about like him in my life. And I was like, this is like, not great. So the day of the closing, we hadn't heard from our realtor, but they had our uh, buyers had like a list of stuff we needed to do. We did like most of them, but there was one thing we couldn't get done because it was an electrical thing. Long story short, there was like some question mark untied things. So we hadn't heard from the realtor that the that our sale had gone through. And then we were going at one o'clock to purchase our new home. And so we went to uh, my sister-in-law's house and I'm like, we should just go for a walk, you know, like get out in nature. Let's just breathe it out. So we're walking in this like path. It was um, I think it must have been Mayish, kind of a summer day, warm blue sky, kind of humid, and we're walking through the path, and no one's really talking. Jeff's a hot mess. I'm just like along for the ride, worried sick about him. And I was like, Universe, if you could just like give me a sign that like everything's gonna be okay, like just like give me a little little wink you know and i kid you not in that moment like a burst of lightning thunder happened and these like black clouds came over the sky it was in like literally like the sky opened up and these black clouds came over and maybe 2 minutes later just like most feared animal is a snake slithered right in front of me in the trail and I like every hair in my body stood up and I was like holy shit that is like the two most bold signs that I could ever see but I was determined being the optimist that I am I was like I didn't say give me good signs I told you just to give me signs right and I didn't say a word to Jeff about the snake because I was like, can't let that cat out of the bag. Hold on. Question. Did you say to universe, did you say that out loud or in your head? Just to myself. Okay. So they didn't hear, they didn't know you said this. Nope. Right. Okay. No, just me. Yeah. It was very like a siloed. Yes. Just making sure. Experience. Yes. Um, And so so you didn't tell Jeff about the snake. Yeah. Yep. So then I was like a little bit like, crap, this is not great. Um, But we like came out, we had to run back home because at this point it was like downpouring and we weren't anticipating the rain. Like it looked like a lovely sunny day out. Had to book back to to my sister-in-law's house and got in. We were kind of just like, again, so like Jeff was so anxious. We were just kind of like, okay, went to the signing and then everything went like, smooth as can be 
Yeah, because I would have taken that sign as, shit, this is not what we're supposed to do. Yeah, right. But like you said, you're like, okay, I just asked for a sign. I know. It was like, here's your sign. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, Did you tell Jeff that after? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, um, I think he might have still been in his, like, he was still in his own shit to be able to, like, really witness or endure. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That is a, that's an amazing story I think everyone can benefit from because we all, it's just a little reminder to ask and you shall receive in a way. All right, my dear. Um, I've probably taken up enough of your time. Let's not be strangers. We'll talk again, even if it's just for fun. Um, Congrats to you. This is great. Oh, thanks. It's, it's a passion project. It's, it's so cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and be well. And we're going to We'll be in touch and we're going to see each other in person sooner than later. Yeah. I'm putting that out into the universe. Universe, Anna and I are going to, we're not going to cross the Grand Canyon or anything, but we're going to do something outside together. And and, and maybe our boys will hang out. Yes. Yes. And our daughters. Yep. Cool. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. bye. Bye. I miss that girl so much. There are certain people that I find myself wishing I lived closer to them or they lived closer to me or we just lived closer to one another. She is one of them. So if you have a friend like that that you've been thinking about and want to reconnect with, I encourage you to do so. Send them a note. Time and space are so weird. If enough time passes, and then you add space between, it almost feels like events that happened 20 years ago are completely different life. But regardless of the time and space between Anna and I, our connection is still palpable. So go check her out now at haganandoats.com. Be well, everyone. We'll see you next time.